Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the Amazon Alexa. Uh, the podcast today, we're going to be discussing uh, markets as well as a number of shares. And to do that, we're kindly joined by Alan Green. Alan, thank you very much for being with us today. Hi, Jonathan. It's good to be back. Thanks for having me. So, Alan, we're looking at a market that has had a tremendous rally since the March lows. And the FTSE 100 is currently trading just beneath uh, the 6,500 level. Well, it's probably close to 6,400 now after after a drop uh, this morning. It's Very really, sharp. Yeah. I, Do, I, 6,360 as we speak, John's. John's oh, it's, it's, fall, it's fallen since we've um, since I've started doing this. Okay, so we've had uh, a continued. So that, that setting's obviously picked up through the morning there. That obviously shows that there is some scepticism around this rally, Alan. Do you think that investors are going to be looking at this as, as a dip to buy, or do, or do you think that we're really overextended and people just haven't taken into consideration the impact of the recession that we're going to see due to COVID nineteen? Well, I, th- I think you mentioned was it last week, Jonathan? The the, the markets are climbing a wall of worry, aren't they? And um, and I think the I think what we're seeing is uh, relief that uh, we do seem to be, in some ways, emerging from the other side of the, of the COVID disaster, um, and uh, but but also uncertainty over the the ramifications, what the impact on the markets and obviously on companies trading has been, whether the governments can afford or can afford to carry on bailing out the companies in trouble. All sorts of questions are being asked, but I think um, I think as we see things start to return to some semblance of normality, the markets will do this. I, I, you know, the markets never go up in a straight line. We'll see we'll see gains some days, and then a poor batch of data will come out. The markets will fall, recorrect, and then start to move up again. Um, but even so, that you know, uh, the, the, let's not forget, you know, the markets were. Uh, was sort of close to this level, you know, as, almost as much as as long as twenty years ago, um, uh, during the dot com boom, they they briefly touched these these sort of highs. So um, it's important to remember that I think the the markets are still well valued in terms of the the um, in terms of the multiples that the companies listed on the markets are trading on. Uh, possibly not so much for the U.S. markets, but certainly the U.K. markets I think do offer good value still. So. And we're looking at the US markets and they, I mean, the S&P last night did erase all of the losses for 2020. Yeah. What, what do you think the disconnect there is between uh, the FTSE 100 and the S&P? I mean, do you think it's mainly down to tech stocks or do you think that the earning uh, potential there for the US are just a little bit higher than those ones listed in London? Yeah, I think I think companies trade on high multiples there, Jonathan. And I think, um, as you rightly point out, the tech stocks. There are a lot of tech and biotech stocks that trade on much higher ratings uh, over there than they do over here, and that's just probably as much to do with the the US mindset as anything else. And of course, there are you know the markets are incredibly liquid. You know, there's a lot of trading activity, um, a lot of funds over there as well. But nonetheless, um, you know the the fact is that uh, no one seems to worry anymore about 
governments borrowing money and governments, uh, you know, printing money to 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 get us out of recessions. That just seems to be the norm. So, in fact, when um, when the markets hear that governments are printing money, it almost drives drives the markets higher because oh great, well the markets are going to be sorted. Never mind the deflationary effect effect on. The, the currency, um, uh, it, it, the, there'll be value in other areas. And as I said last week, you know, some of the commodities like gold, precious metals, um, in fact, all the solid commodities that are tangible assets um, actually offer will offer greater value going forward. Yeah, so I mean, there's, we, I think we touched on it last week, the decoupling of the stock markets and the economy. And you know, the facilitator of that decoupling is very much... The liquidity being pumped into uh, into markets, and I do think whilst that continues, uh, we're going to see markets um, significantly um, supported uh, by that liquidity, and and, you, and we're going to see uh, you know elevated share prices, probably artificially high share prices, but whilst uh, uh, the liquidity is being pumped in, that that can, as we've seen over the last ten years, can remain for some time. Indeed. So. Let, we did touch on tech stocks there in the, in the in the US, but we're going to bring it back to start off with uh, a few shares that we're going to look at this week, and that's a technology company, um, Bidstack, one we've spoken about before. Um, now this is a company that raised, I think it was about hundred thousand pounds on CrowdCube back in uh, two thousand and fifteen. Um, they are working on a technology that provides uh, advertising, native advertising through games, through, through obviously online gaming is, is one of the big markets. It has, Alan, just raised £5.5 million, pounds, yeah. they say, is for working capital. Uh, that's obviously diluted existing shareholders. We're seeing um, shares down at about four pence. Yeah. And is it about time that Bidstack produced enough revenue to see them through and their operations be supported? Well, I think this has been this has been the uh, the bugbear with investors. And I mean, I'm uh, I'll declare a position. I'm a, I, I do hold shares in Bidstack, and um, I think the technology. Um, th- there's no doubt about it. What what they've done uh, is they've created a new dimension for. The global advertising sector. Um, the, uh, the 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 uh, global marketplace for gaming is growing at a phenomenal rate, something like 13 percent uh, uh, per annum. And I think that global marketplace is worth something like one hundred and thirty eight billion. I mean, it's it's just absolutely vast. Um, and of course, um, historically, it's been difficult, if not impossible, for advertisers to connect into that market with live messaging. Because effectively, once the game goes out there, the game graphics feature the ads such as with football games or racing games or whatever. And those have always been uh, embedded into the game for for the lifetime, for the lifetime of the game. What Bistack have done is they've developed a they've developed a seamless uh, system which serves ads out into these games. So if you're playing football or or whatever, or you're in a racing game, the ads that you see now uh, using BizSec technology are those live ads served to you. So just as you would see um, uh, ads if you uh, watched uh, Netflix, you'd see ads customised to your tastes uh, via Netflix. If you're a gamer, um, BizSec can now serve the advertising to you in the same manner. 
which is a, a huge advantage and really opens up a whole new dimension for the global advertising market. But um, uh, when Bitstack uh, started, as you rightly said, Jonathan, they raised money on Crowdcube, uh, they, they, they took it forward, they've attracted a huge amount of uh, talent into the business and and some really impressive names from the gaming industry uh, uh, as part of the advisory board. They've got the former Grape Shot and Oracle CTO Derek Wise has joined the board. Um, I mean, there are so many, uh, so many others. Plus, they plus they've they've basically run these tests out with with a whole range of uh, leading brands such as Boohoo, Audi, One Eight Eight Bet, Volkswagen, and so on. Um, so. So, so the technology has has been proven. Uh, the they provided tools to allow the advertising agencies to to use and experiment with. Um, and the, the 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 main problem has been that uh, the board basically expected to bring revenues, substantial revenues, into the company uh, last year, and that didn't happen for whatever reason. The, the markets weren't ready for it. And this is often the way with technology companies. You know, the, the technology is there, but actually commercializing it is a separate challenge altogether. Um, and this is what Bitstack have faced. And obviously, um, James Draper, the CEO, has taken a hammering from certain quarters uh, about that. Nonetheless, as you say, they have raised $5 million to to take the company forward. Uh, and the company has said that uh, uh, in that, that it, it expects to generate a substantial amount of income into the company uh, during the second half of the current year. So I think, um, I think you know, whilst the jury is still out, it, the company's confident in making material pro, uh, progress this year. Um, and uh, its uh, revenues are going to be second half weighted. Um, and it says in line with market expectations for the year. So if they deliver those revenues, then I think... Um, Given where Bidstack is now compared to the valuations it has been trading on, it's trading on a valuation of ten million, and it's tapping into this enormous, enormous global marketplace. Um, and frankly, in my view, if it commercialises that, it's it's the first to market with a solution. If that solution is adopted globally, then this could very quickly become not just a multi-million pound company, but um, a billion pound plus company. In my opinion. Indeed. I mean, I, I think I would have the argument that they've had a significant amount of time to put this technology in. And I, and I know the industry quite well. And I know that these agencies have had new new media teams for, for, for some time. And it's an area that they've been looking at. So I think I'd have uh, the view that if they do not have significant revenues uh, in the second half of this year, it suggests that the end clients just aren't interested in this uh, technology. I mean, last year they just produced one hundred and forty thousand pounds in in yep. revenue. Um, if they can't see that increase significantly for this year, uh, I, th- I think it shows that probably the uh, the model there for Bidstack and all the hype around it isn't uh, isn't what it's uh, been uh, been. Well, it's not going to live up to uh, to the hype. So, going to be it. a very interesting uh, second half for Bidstack there. Yeah, well, it, as, as you say, Jonathan, it's currently trading at about 4p and um, it probably reflects accurately. I mean, the, the raise was done at 4p, so that effectively provides a floor for the stock. So I would expect to see it trading around these levels and obviously any further trading updates or developments 
um, we'll see it go one of two ways. But um, yeah, it, that's a you know the industry. So your take, uh, I think, is very it, it, it's it's very uh, uh, significant in regard to the outlook for for the company. So anyway, I remain a holder. Um, I may well reduce my position, but um, that that's that's where I am. That's where I am with Bitstack for now. One I look forward to uh, discussing again, Alan. So, moving on. So this is a this is a company which had some involvement in the so-called uh, Gatwick Gusher. Uh, you know, so a fair few years ago now, obviously down in uh, Horse Hill, significant find uh, there. There are, there are a few companies with stakes in it. That's Union Jack Oil that so obviously have focused on uh, on the UK to some extent since then, Alan. But what have they been up to recently? Well, uh, Union Jack Oil, as you rightly say, they, they are a, a UK onshore oil and gas exploration company, and they're develop, developing and drilling and investing into assets and projects around the UK, and as the as the name would imply. Um, they have thirteen licenses, but the key licenses they're focused on at the moment are um, Russell, um, uh, that's W R E S L E, Biscothorpe, and uh, West Newton. Um, and there's obviously Kennington, um, Kennington is is is, uh, is is one of their one of their key plays as well. So whilst they have a number of licenses, obviously these licenses can only be developed at, so, at such a rate. But um, the the biggest one for uh, Union Jack Oil is the Russell Reserve, which um, and there was an announcement yesterday they've acquired a further twelve and a half percent interest in the Russell uh, prospect from Humber Oil and Gas. They now own forty five point five percent. Of that, um, and uh, they have access to, to 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 basically a huge amount of um, of oil reserves, um, and uh, and and this is very significant for them as a company. They're they're, they're at a at an interesting juncture. Currently, um, currently trading uh, uh, currently trading with a market cap of around thirty million. Uh, um, I, I think the share price is zero point two one p or point two point two one p. But uh, the the uh, the the arrangement that they struck is significant in that um, in in that uh, the the the, uh, the the shareholders will basically receive um, or, or the, uh, the, uh, the the sellers will receive a million paid uh, um, in cash on the first commercial oil produced from the Wrestle prospect, um, but going forward. Uh, Unijack also have some five million pounds in the kitty. I actually did an interview yesterday with David uh, Bramhill, the um, the executive chairman there, and he was very bullish about the prospect. He said he was very much an oil bull going forward anyway. But um, it's well worth watching that interview because David is very well known in throughout the oil industry. He's very well known uh, throughout the city, and um, he's got a very good reputation, very solid reputation. And he, he doesn't try and talk things, talk uh, uh, the prospects for his various projects up. He will just tell it as it is, and um, and he'll 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 tell you that uh, most of the projects uh, that we've got over the over the line have been successful, but there have been some failures. So he's very realistic in in his projections. But this is a well-funded company, um, and and currently. Where the company trades at the moment, it does offer significant upside, especially now they have the the the, the Russell prospect. Um, I asked him also about the 
the uh, fall in the oil price. Obviously, we were speaking a, a month or so ago, Jonathan, about the uh, oil being given away. Um, and he said, it's it's incredible. You do get these uh, these uh, crashes in the price now and then. He said, I'm very bullish about it. And he said, we we take advantage of those crashes to increase our position or, um, or leverage up our position in, in the marketplace because we know oil will always come back. He also said... It, it, go on, go on Jonathan. I suppose, you know, doubled in, in some circumstances. If you look at some of the, the contracts, tripled, obviously not that front one, that went, went, went negative. Yeah. Um, huge, huge recovery there in, in the price of oil. And I think that's been reflected largely in, in some of the, uh, the the oil companies out there. Not Maybe not so much the uh, the more junior ones that are still in the uh, exploration phase. Uh, but, yeah, definitely seen a, a rebound there in the sector. Mm-hmm. Indeed, indeed. Um, just one more point to make as well. Their break-even for getting the oil out of the ground to market is $17 per barrel. So, obviously, anything above that and the company's in clover. Okay, so that that's one that, you know, obviously you don't hear too much. Uh, I mean, there's obviously ones like Hurricane Energy, for example, um, but sort of oil companies, you know, towards the earlier stages uh, that operating in the UK. So, again, I think that's going to be one... Investors should keep uh, keep an eye on there because there is a bit of potential upside, as you said. If if these uh, re- results do prove provide to be uh, fruitful, so Alan, we get we finish with one that we have discussed in some detail actually uh, recently, and they've had quite uh, an exciting timeline uh, sort of laid out, and they're moving along that timeline. As we speak, and that and that's Cadence, and they've uh, another company that's raised some money, uh, but they also had some operational updates in there. What do they look like? Okay, so I also interviewed the uh, chief exec uh, Kira Mazaria, um, and and he discussed this, so that can be seen uh, in detail uh, if you go to the brand website or just follow our Twitter Twitter handle or my Twitter handle. Um, you, you, you'll find you'll find the uh, the links on there. But nonetheless, the company announced yesterday it was raising a further six hundred fifty thousand via placing at nine p. So um, the share price has pushed on substantially in recent weeks. So the raise at that le- that level is obviously very good, um, and uh, that money is going to be used to uh, further further sort of develop the uh, a map of project, fund the uh, project expenses, and also undertake a scoping study on a mapper as well. And this is off the back of a raise um, a, a month and a half ago um, of a similar amount uh, at, at a lower level. So it's encouraging to see that uh, as the company develops, uh, as the project develops pace, it's, uh, it, it, it's moving forward with this. So um, the, the, the key to uh, getting a mapper of the iron ore project over the line is um, the shipping of the iron ore that's on the port at Santana. And the MAPA project basically contains the mine and all of the outlying buildings. It contains the railway um, and also the port at Santana. And they, they, the uh, private port collapsed, which was why the uh, why, why Anglo-American sold the business off in 2012. Um, but uh, uh, currently there are, they, they're making arrangements with trucking companies to ship that ore to the commercial port of Santana and to use that to uh, to export the uh, the ore and obviously generate money from that. That, along with um, the, some of the rays will be used to in the recommissioning process. Once they finalise uh, um, or once they reach settlement with the creditors, 
uh, Cadence will then own 20% of a mapper. And this is a mine that was valued, well, the mine and the railway and the, the private port were valued at $600 million in 2012. So given that Cadence trades on a market cap of around $9 million at the moment, you can see why everyone's getting excited about this. But but that's the only part of the story. A mapper is the flagship project, but um, the, they also as a mining investment company, are invested into a number of other projects. The Sinovec Lithium project, uh, which is uh, owned by um, European Metals Holdings, so they have a 16% stake in EMH. And WH Island published a broker note recently, which valued that stake in Sinovec at 62 million sterling. So if you if you look at that alone, that market, the market cap of its, uh, just the stake in the Sinovec project, way exceeds where the company is. And yet we've got this, these other projects. We have the MacArthur Minerals Iron Ore Project in Australia. They have a joint ventures with Bacanora Lithium, the Sonora Lithium Project in Mexico. They have a 30% stake in the Yanjibana Rare Earths, Rare Earths Project in Australia, plus other lithium investments too. So there's a whole range of investments, and the company is currently just £9 million valuation um in my opinion this is th- this is one of the few genuine 10 baggers around i will also declare a position i have a stake in cadence minerals too so uh i have an interest there but um it it's there to see you can do the math so alan I mean, obviously this is a a share that's towards the higher risk of uh you know spectrum of shares listed on the london stock exchange what are the biggest risks for this company there's obviously potential upside there but what um, you know, potential events could see a potential decline in the share price in in uh, in Cadence if things don't go to plan. Okay, so there are two markets that Cadence is relying on. Well, I say two markets. I mean a number of markets. But firstly, uh, the iron ore market. Now, um, Cadence have projected once a mapper is recommissioned, they've projected uh, annual EBITDA of one hundred thirty six million dollars, and that's based on an iron ore price of. Uh, $60 per tonne. Iron ore is currently trading at around $90 to $100 per tonne. By the time the mine's recommissioned, it could be back down to that level. But regardless, I think there's enough fat built into that projection. So if the iron ore price does fall, it won't materially affect um, Cadence and and Amapa. Um, Clearly, the uh, COVID is raging throughout uh, Brazil as we speak, and uh, there may be restrictions on uh, that, that could come in and affect um, the uh, the timelines there, um, albeit let's hope not significantly, but there doesn't seem to have been any impact to that effect so far. Um, secondly, of course, the lithium market. So with with Sinovec and other projects, Cadence is exposed to lithium. Um, the lithium market has, has fallen substantially over the past uh, few years, but is now starting to stabilise and indeed, um, with the investments and the strategy changes the major car manufacturers and EV manufacturers and battery manufacturers are making, this is a market that I believe is only going to go one way in the future. But so th- those are the risks, if you like, that uh, Cadence faces being exposed to those markets. But I do believe that um, the risk is very much uh, built into, into, into the current share price. And any movement, um, any development, any of these key projects, um, I believe could send the shares much higher. Perfect. Okay, thank you very much for that uh, explanation there, Alan. Because you know, obviously, these companies 
have uh, significant potential upside, but we obviously investors do have to keep an eye on uh, yeah. any potential downsides uh, with them. So um, just before we finish, I'd just like to point listeners to an article that we've put out on the UK Investor Magazine today on AstraZeneca. There's a number of um, interesting things happening there at the FTSE 100 pharmaceutical company. So do check that out on the UK Investor Magazine app and uh, and website. So Alan, thank you very much for being with us today once again. Thank you, Jonathan. Good to be back. Perfect. So we will uh, no doubt uh, be joining to- together again for the UK Investor Magazine podcast.